Well, welcome to the Coffee House Questions podcast. You're listening to Ryan Pauly. One of the things that got me involved in apologetics and really excited is the idea and the discussion and topic behind science and faith. And just a few weeks ago, I was at a church discussing those issues with students because it's one of the things that I think is very important to talk about. And so that is going to be the topic of our discussion today. And I actually just realized that this is kind of a the Reasons to Believe Month. Uh, the last two weeks, I interviewed uh, Professor Kenneth Samples, one of the research scholars at Reasons to Believe on logic and critical thinking. And then joining me today is another Reasons to Believe scholar, Dr. Jeff Zwerink. So Jeff, thanks for coming on and discussing these issues with me today. Hi, Ryan. I'm excited about being here and looking forward to what we get to talk about. Absolutely. And so I had the privilege of, of sitting down and having lunch with uh, Jeff uh, at the Rethink Student Apologetics Conference. That was back in September, I believe. Uh, we yeah. didn't really plan it out, but we both happened to sit down and had lunch there. And I started talking with him and enjoyed it very much. Uh, he started telling me all the things that he's doing. And one of those things, along with being uh, a research uh, scholar at Reasons to Believe, um, he also works at UCLA. So you are you have your doctorate in in astrophysics. That is correct. And, is it, and so maybe we could start really quickly, and you could tell me what does an astrophysicist do? That's an interesting question because there's a lot of different things they can do. Uh, you know, my uh, background is I have a bachelor's in physics, and so the re I mean the reason why I tell people I studied physics is because I like figuring out why things work the way they do. Okay. So uh, when I was in graduate school, I went into astrophysics because now we get to figure out how the heavens work. And so I am involved in various projects trying to understand uh, just bizarre and exotic phenomena in the universe. So I've done research on gamma rays. That's my specialty, gamma ray astrophysics. Um, I've studied black holes and neutron stars, those sorts of things. Right now I'm working on a project where we're trying to understand what the dark matter is. And so that's a balloon experiment where we're <clears throat> building a balloon that'll fly around Antarctica looking for a particular type of particle. So all that to say is that, uh, yeah, I like very much the experimental uh, computer data analysis part of astrophysics. So I get to build stuff, design instruments, figure out how to get the data out and figure out whether it's going to give you the data you need to answer the question. There are people who... Uh, you know, some physicists, astrophysicists will do just a lot of theoretical calculations trying to calculate with this object, that object will give off. And how do you go about uh, what sort of instrument would you need to be able to detect that? Uh, so a lot more theoretical mathematical work is their focus. And they, they'll spend a lot of time at a computer or a computer at a desk. Okay. Uh, and then others just really do build large scale projects, uh, you know, building instruments for space telescopes and things like that. So. What I like about physics is that you got a broad variety of things you can do. Yeah, absolutely. Now, that was one of the things that really interested me when I when we had lunch together is that you were telling me about your project. And so you, uh, like I said, along with re working at Reasons to Believe full time and and while you're there, you speak on the compatibility of faith and science. And that's what we're going to talk about in this first part. And, but you've also done you know, stuff on the multiverse theory, dark energy, dark matter, exoplanets. But you were telling me that you're also part-time at UCLA with this balloon project seeking to detect dark matter. And so maybe just a couple minutes, what is dark matter? Why are you trying to detect it? And how is that going to help us learn more about our universe? 
Well, the, the short answer to what is the dark matter is we don't know. That's why we're trying <laughs> to build instruments that will find it. Okay. Uh, it's something that when we look out at galaxies and clusters of galaxies and at the universe as a whole, there needs to be more matter there than what our description of gravity or, or for our description of gravity to, to accurately describe things. And so there are physicists and cosmologists who've come along and said, well, maybe it could be this kind of particle, or maybe it could be that kind of particle, or maybe it's this. And so we're building an instrument to try and detect one particular form of dark matter. And, uh, you know, the, the kind of the cool thing, if, if uh, just for a little bit of the, the science, science nerds that are out there, <laughs> uh, if you have, uh, you're familiar with particles, almost every particle has an antiparticle. Okay. Well, a lot of dark matter particle or candidate particles are their own antiparticle. And so our galaxy would be awash in these particles. And so occasionally they'll annihilate into pure energy and then they can produce other things. And we're actually looking for one of those other particles that happens to be an antiparticle. So we fly, that's why you got to fly up on top of the atmosphere, because if it was an antiparticle down here, it'd run into some sort of particle and annihilate. So okay. we're building a balloon experiment sensitive to this particular antiparticle because there's really no other background in in the in the heavens that will give this type of particle. And so that was tell us uh, if we find it, that would tell us this is what the dark matter is and this is how much there is. And so this is something astronomers, yeah. cosmologists have been working on for the better part of 80 years. Wow. And how close do you think we are at finding what you're trying to find? Uh I'm optimistic that within the next five to ten years, we'll figure out something about the dark matter. We'll okay. either figure out what it is or have uh, enough set of constraints that we know, okay, we need to look a little bit different place. Okay, so so we know it's there. We know some properties about it that it will destroy other particles and that sort of thing. But there's still a lot of unknowns that we're still we're trying to figure out. Exactly. Well, the only thing we really know about it is its gravitational influence. Beyond that, we kind of know roughly how much there has to be. But we don't know what the actual constituent, what it's made of. And that's what we're trying to figure out. Okay, very interesting. Awesome. Well, man, that's a lot of stuff that I think, you know, I, I think about this a lot because I did my undergrad in theology and now I have a just a very big interest in the sciences. And so I do a lot of reading and, and research in the sciences, but my degree is in theology. And a lot of times I think, man, I would love to have gone back and gotten my degree in the physics or some sort of science, and then I would be doing all my fun research in theology. And so, you know, you kind of got to pick one and, and go with it. But this is one of those areas that I think uh, is way over my head, uh, but it's something that I'm very interested in. And so I love talking to you and other people who are in this field and, and just learning and figuring out what makes our universe the way it is and uh, it's just fascinating. Mm -hmm. Well, so, I think that's an important point that just as Christians, we ought to be interested in learning and just discovering things. You may not be interested in science, but yeah, I can tell you this. I spend a lot of time, as much as I've studied and understand the science, I spend a lot of time trying to figure out, okay, what theologically do we really know and what's good, what's good theology and bad theology. And yeah. so I think we always just always ought to be learning. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and we're going to talk about this a little more in our second part, but I think it would be good also to say in this first part of why should Christians or maybe should Christians care about the sciences? If we're talking about dark matter or, or exoplanets or, or just cosmology uh, most people are going to say, yeah, I just don't care. 
Is there a reason why Christians should take at least somewhat of an interest in these kind of topics? Absolutely. And, and I would say it's not that every Christian needs to take an interest in these topics, but that as a church, we ought to have an interest in these topics. Because, um, you know, again, if you look at uh, kind of historic Christian thought, there are the, there's this uh, two books metaphor of how God has revealed himself. God's revealed himself in Scripture, the, the literal book of Scripture, and he's also revealed himself in the figurative book of, of the world mm-hmm. and or of creation. And so, uh, you know, no Christian would say, well, you know, we only need to study Genesis through uh, numbers and then the Gospels, and that's we'll, we'll have an adequate understanding of God. No, we want to understand all of God's revelation the best that we can, because that will help us understand him. Yeah, that, so that's a God great point. Revealed, if God has revealed himself in Scripture or in creation— we ought to be the chief amongst people who go out to try and understand this creation so that we understand how God has revealed himself to us. Yes, great point. This is God's creation. And, you know, just like we like to listen to our favorite artists and figure out how they created songs or, or paintings or whatever, if God, this really is his creation and we get to learn more about him through it, that's how we grow closer to God. And I think that's a big point. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I find particularly fascinating about cosmology or astrophysics is just an appreciation of how remarkable the environment in which we live is. You know, we live in a, in an earth, you know, the temperature goes up and down, you know, a fair bit of, you know, maybe goes down to minus 40 and up to 140 degrees Fahrenheit. But, you know, we look out in the universe and there are densities in our objects that are, have densities that are beyond imagination. There's incredibly high temperatures, incredibly low temperatures. There's uh, environments where the radiation would just almost vaporize you. I mean, there's just this variety of environments that makes me understand, one, how small I am and how big God is, among mm. other things. Yeah. Uh, very good. So, well, this this first kind of part that I wanted to do with you um, is kind of this, the compatibility of faith and science. Uh, what, that's one of the main issues that comes up with me. That's what really kind of is driving me in, in my apologetics. And, and I am in the process of getting my certificate in science apologetics through the Reasons Institute, which you are the uh, the president over or, or the, the... I think I'm officially, it's, I'm the executive director. Okay, the executive director of it. I oversee our online learning. So. Okay, awesome. So so I'm in that program, and so I, I really have a big interest in this. And so when, when people bring up this issue of students and science uh, and, and being Christians and how does that work together, this is one of my kind of big interests. And I know that you have a big interest in this as well because you have a story of when you were an undergrad at Iowa, uh, Iowa State, I believe. Uh, yes. Uh, an undergrad at Iowa State studying physics but grew up as a Christian, and, and you kind of had this – conflicts between those two things. Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, and I I need to give a little bit of backstory to understand the the weight of that that moment there is that, you know, I've grown up, uh, my dad is a chemist, and from my early, some of my earliest memories are just some of the chemistry displays he's done and just kind of always being fascinated with how things work. And Mm. so, uh, you know, why I'm interested in science is because it it helps you understand how things work. And so that's just an, an integral part of who I am and how I think and the, and who I I believe who God's made me to be. Mm -hmm. 
Hmm. Um, my One of my earliest memories, again, is watching my parents be baptized in the 102 River outside the city where I grew up. And so Christianity has also been a very integral component of who I am growing up. Uh, you know, I personally trusted Christ as my Savior in the fifth grade in an Awana program one night. And just have, uh, you know, been interested in pursuing God kind of all my life. I mean, there have been times where I've been more energetic about it and times where I've been a little more lackadaisical about it. But one of those times where my faith, my interest in growing my faith just really grew was after my senior year of high school. I went on a summer mission trip over to Europe. And if I'm honest, I went there because I wanted to see Europe. But (laughs) in the process, my interest in knowing who God was and my relationship with him just really blossomed and flourished. And I started reading the scripture more and praying and fellowshipping with other believers and developing a passion to share the gospel and really just kind of asking the question of, of God, okay, what do you want, where, where, what do you want me to do? And so as I was in college, I was going, I went away or went to Iowa State, was studying physics and uh, was doing well, progressing along in that. And as I was studying the Bible, uh, happened to start reading through Genesis and the notes in my Bible uh, under Genesis one there, you know, make, make a comment, you know, these have to be 24 hour days. And so my take was, if that's what the Bible says, that's what, it, that that's the truth. And yeah. so, so I lived there and, you know, I was studying in physics, you know, there's, ages of the earth are older and the universe is billions of years. And so I began wrestling with that. And in all honesty, I thought, okay, I I had this nascent idea, although I hadn't really fleshed it out, is that God's revelation, both in creation and scripture, have got to agree. And so if they look like they're in conflict, then what that means is that, well, if the Bible demands those are 24-hour days, then science doesn't understand time properly or something like that. Yeah. And I just kind of let it sit and was thinking about it and trying to reconcile it. And then there was a fellow who came and spoke at Iowa State when I was, I believe, a sophomore who's a, an astrophysicist and a Christian. And basically, I had a chance to go ask him that question. You know, how do you deal with the fact that science says the Earth is old and the Bible says that these things are 24 hours. And, and and what he told me was very instructive to me. He said, there are Christians who say those are 24 hours, and that's a good way to look at Scripture. But it's not what conservative Christian scholars have said. So those people who hold Scripture in high regard, those can be much longer periods of time. And so what that confirmed to me is that when we truly understand what science has to say and when we truly understand what the Bible has to say, they're going to agree with one another and have just kind of been working on fleshing that out. So you'll see that in my in my wrestlings with the multiverse and with the book that I'm writing on, you know, is there life out there and dealing with cosmology and dark matter, dark energy, all of these things. They're really trying to understand if God's revealed himself in Scripture, and I believe he has, and if God's revealed himself in creation, I believe he has. How do we best understand those, and how do we get and see that they actually agree? Because I'm convinced they will. Yeah, so was there a point where you finally, where kind of, there was this conflict? Did you ever feel like you had to choose? Or was it just this idea of like, well, the Bible says so, so science must kind of just be off on their dating? Or is there ever a point where, because I've had stories where, where I've had people tell me, where a student comes back and they say, hey, you know, you can't be a Christian and a scientist. Science is an atheistic, you know, study. And so I'm leaving Christianity. Did you ever feel that conflict of where you had to choose? 
I never felt the conflict where he had to choose. And again, I think it was rooted in this idea that God's revelation has got to be consistent. Hmm. And so I, I, I have, if I had to choose or, or what would have forced me to have to choose is to find a place where what I understood from scripture and what I understood from uh, creation were in conflict, genuine conflict with one another. And what I've found in all of my studies is that there are times where they look like they're in conflict, but as I've studied and dug in deeper, either to the science or the theology or both, I've recognized I didn't have a complete picture, and that when I got to a deeper understanding, that conflict melted, and I saw that, lo and behold, they actually do accord with or agree with one another. Okay. And so would you say that a lot of times that conflict just – that it comes from uh, the interpretation of the data rather than the data itself? Absolutely. Yeah, because if the, the data is the data. I mean what scripture means is what scripture means, and what the, how the universe behaves is how the universe behaves. And again, it, it really is this – there was a realization I had at some point that if God is who he says he is, his revelations are going to agree. And so I have dug in fairly deeply, you know, looking at the multiverse. What does the Bible have to say? What does science have to say? Big Bang cosmology. What does the Bible have to say? What does uh, science have to say? Age of the Earth. What does the Bible have to say? What does science have to say? And I've dug in a few areas deep enough to know that what looked like a conflict eventually really wasn't a conflict. It was a lack of understanding on my part. Okay. And as I got a deeper understanding, I would say, wow, these things go together incredibly well actually okay um, and so it's not that i've resolved everything but every place where i've dug in deep enough i've found that there's a potential for conflict but i found that they actually agree yeah and so what do you think kind of creates maybe the the majority of that conflict is it a person's worldview that that kind of goes into their studies before they approach that evidence uh, well i think there's probably lots of things i think for uh, there's a very vocal segment of the Christian church that uh, articulates an understanding of Scripture, particularly you know the length of the days and how we interact with you know is creation fallen? Can we understand it? That in my assessment, they articulate a vision that sets up science to be in conflict with Scripture. Okay, and I think that's problematic. And on the other side, I think there are scientists who come at things with a very atheistic or agnostic or skeptic view who set things up so that there's an inherent conflict with scripture. Uh, just it's, it's in the way they approach it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, if, you know, again, going back to my, my struggle there with the age of the earth, if scripture demanded that those were 24 hour days, uh, if that was the only way Christianity or as a, as a conservative, Christian who held scripture in high regard, if that was the only way I could look at it, then I think I would have had a much more difficult choice. Mm -hmm. But when I looked at, again, when I looked at the body of Christian scholarship on that, and again, these are people who hold scripture in high regard, and when I looked at what we knew scientifically and understood the uncertainties and the certainties there, I was like, these actually work very well together. And so I, I think there's some of it is that there are Maybe it is worldview, maybe it is presuppositions, maybe there's preconceived ideas that people can bring into that that set up a conflict that doesn't need to be there. Yeah. You know, so that, that, that's, that, 
kind of gets at your question, but I think it's, it's a difficult one to answer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it makes sense that it's difficult to answer. The reason I kind of thought of that is is in my kind of reading that I've done, I read about things like methodological naturalism, where just kind of science has set up this naturalistic kind of mechanism of that's just how it works. We look for a natural explanation uh, and kind of beforehand exclude supernatural or intelligent explanations before looking at the evidence. Would you say that is that just something I'm just reading on the side, or is that something that you've also seen uh, within your kind of as you've dove deeper into the sciences? No, I, I think there very much is in the practice of science. Uh, methodological naturalism is is a fairly integral part of that. Now, there, there's a, a very strong side of that, or a very there's a side of that that I say is very good, and then there's also a limitation to it. And so the, the side of that that's very good is that when you look at the presuppositions or the philosophical foundation of science, one of the things that's true is that's, that the universe has to behave very regularly. Because if the universe behaves a certain way one day and a different way the next, then it's very difficult for science to get off the ground. Because yeah. what yeah. happens today doesn't have any bearing on what happened yesterday or tomorrow. And so... Uh, I, I think methodological naturalism is actually a very good approach to looking at problems. Now, where the where the the weakness comes in is where the methodological naturalism moves into uh, philosophical naturalism, and so you know, kind of looking and saying, "All right, let's find an explanation for this," uh, because just even from looking at things scripturally, the vast majority of what goes on in creation happens by God's natural or ordinary providence or just the way he sustains creation. Mm -hmm. And so when I see something striking the earth or when I see a distant object, in all likelihood, there's going to be some mechanistic explanation for that. Okay. So the problem is when you look at all that and say, all right, at some point in time there, when you're dealing with the origin of the universe or the origin of humanity, or there's, there's these certain places where, According to scripture, God did step in and intervene, not just through his ordinary providence. Where you move methodological naturalism to philosophical naturalism, now you've ruled out actually being able to address that from any scientific prospect. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's where the weakness is. So in general, when I go look for dark matter, I'm not I'm not out there looking for a miracle. In fact, you know, one of my colleagues said uh, you know, her mom would say, oh, I'm praying for a miracle every day. And she would say, no, don't do that, because if that happens, I'm going to have real troubles reproducing it the next day. Mm. You know, so so just the natural or the, the practice of science really does, I think, lend itself well to methodological naturalism. OK, the problem is when you there are these certain places where we expect explicit divine intervention, if we've ruled out supernatural intervention, now we've limited what science can actually study. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And so kind of going off of that, um, for those students, uh, you know, I, I think that my listeners kind of are, I, I know a lot of them are, are, are youth pastors and, and people working with high school and college students and people wanting to go into study science and, and in different mm -hmm. fields of those studies. Um, have you s found that um, being a astrophysicist at UCLA uh, and a evangelical Christian, um, is, is that accepted? Is uh, Do you work mostly with more atheists? Um, are there very many Christians in science? 
you know, how do, how does that work being a Christian within a field like that? You know, and, and th- there are differences amongst the fields, but I think there are some general principles that apply across the scientific disciplines is that there have been studies uh, by the National Academy of Science over the last century, you know, kind of every decade or so, they'll go in and survey, you know, how many people believe in a God, how many people believe there's no God, how many people are agnostic, and they go through. And by and large, over the last century, those numbers have remained relatively constant. And it's about 40% believe in some sort of God or supernatural power, uh, there's probably something akin to that that believe God doesn't exist. And then there's some middle mixture that, that takes a little bit of a different position. But over the last hundred years, those numbers have been remarkably stable. So what that says is that there are, there are and have been a sizable fraction of believers in God and specifically Christians in the scientific community for the last century. And so, that, that to me says there's no inherent conflict between being a scientist and a Christian. And you haven't seen any kind of opposition or anything like that? You haven't felt any pressure from the uh, scientific community? I, I From the scientific community, no. From scientists, yes. Okay. Uh, you know, and, and again, I, uh, you know, an anal- or, uh, just a symptom of that or a place. I've seen this a few times in my career where I've made some explicitly Christian statement or given a talk about something that, that very clearly is tied to Christianity. Is there a, there's a segment of the audience who uh, just says that has no place here. Get out of here. That, that just doesn't belong. Okay. There's a fair number who kind of listen. I, you know, it's hard to gauge their interest. Some may be interested, some not. And then there's a few people who come up and say, you know, I see what you're saying. I just disagree. And there's others who who are far more sympathetic or, you know, who, who do have a Christian perspective. And so um, I, I can't say the scientific community is antagonistic, but I have run into people who are antagonistic. Okay. And so, wow, I can't believe our time is already almost up for this first part. Uh, it really does fly when you're having fun. I'm really enjoying this. Um, so thank you again. This is awesome. Um, in our last few minutes, uh, make one quick point about you know, just to clarify there oh, yeah. what i have found is the biggest determiner of how my viewpoints are accepted is not whether i'm a christian or not it's how good a science do i do hmm, that's a good point but if i'm in good science i have earned a place at the table to discuss ideas and my christian ideas fit very well in there and i and i found that principle to apply to most of the Christians that I've talked to. Okay, well, that kind of goes into my last question that I wanted to wrap up with is how can how can we help students, those people that are listening that have students, um, how can we help students stay strong with their Christian convictions? How can we kind of stay true to who we are and then also be productive and go into the sciences? And, and I think that's one way of let's just let's just desire to do good science. Let's let's go out there and show that Christians can participate in this and do good science are there other ways that that you would suggest of of making sure that we build strong christian scientists i would say uh one key component of that is building good relationships is you know there is a little bit of a challenge to find other christians uh because there is some antagonism and a lot of times in all honesty most scientists are more interested in doing their science than they are talking about stuff like this And so, you know, it may take a little bit of work, but find other scientists who you can have fellowship with. 
Um, I think for me, one of the biggest things is making sure that I understand theology really well, that I'm a good theologian Mm -hmm. and understand who God is, what the essentials of the Christian faith are. What are the things that Christians can be genuinely divided and it's just part of being part of the Christian community? I mean, you know, if we're talking about the resurrection, that's something there's not a lot of gray area on. But if we're talking about the age of the earth or free will predestination or end times theology, there's a lot that we can disagree but still have genuine fellowship with one another. So I think finding people to fellowship with, recognize, you know, being a good theologian. But then I also say just as a church, I think we need to recognize there's a large segment of the population. And this is hopefully within the church, but definitely within our society where things really need to kind of make sense. And so let's equip our churches to provide a forum where those questions can be asked and wrestled with and at least come up to some sort of reasonable answer so that when people are going away, they're not confronted with questions that are going to shake their faith. They've already wrestled with those inside the church. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a tremendous help in equipping Christians to go into the scientific community and be good missionaries. All right, all right, cool. And um, and one last thing I wanted to mention is that you uh, and Reasons to Believe also has uh, what's called the lab and a, a great way, I think uh, I've looked at it. I've looked at your, your schedule and some of the things that you talk about. A uh, great way to train up young Christian scientists uh, to go into the fields, uh, different fields of science. Can you one minute, you know, maybe kind of discuss what that is and the, the goal behind it? Yeah, it, it, it's a three day mentoring program where we're we're providing Students who want to go into science careers, uh, physics, chemistry, biology, engineering, mathematics, computer science, medical, to begin to ask the question, how do you integrate your Christian faith with your scientific studies? And we provide them with relationships with faculty, scientists, Christians. We provide them with relationships with other students, and we also just equip them with a lot of good materials so that they can begin thinking about and integrating that building relationships with their parents to be able to mutually talk about these sort of things, just to strengthen their faith so that they're, when they're out there in the environment of, of the, the, dif- the difficult part of going through college, they're on a firm foundation there, and they have resources to deal with those challenges that they're going to inevitably face. There you go. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining me in this first part, uh, discussing why it's important for Christians and science to think well about these issues. Thank you. It's, it's been fun to talk about this, Ryan. And uh, for those of you listening, um, just know, and I want you guys to go to uh, reasons.org is their website. Check out the lab. Find ways to really build up your students and the church thinking well about scientific issues. It is one of those big things that we need to understand in a way that we can glorify God and, and, and understanding and learning more about him. And so thank you for joining me in this first part, this first discussion with Dr. Jeff Zwerink. And uh, make sure you do not miss next week. We'll be talking about Big Bang Cosmology. And so that is going to be really fun. So thank you all for listening. This has been Coffee House Questions and Ryan Polly. Won't hesitate to follow your love.